Hi, this is Ken Butcher with The Middle of the Air. We are upstairs in the Novels and Novelty Bookstore, possibly for the last time. It might be closing the end of this year. We're very upset about that. But I have Christy English with me, and um, she has written another book in the Ballrooms and Broadswords series, or is it the other way around? Broadswords and Ballrooms. Broadswords and Ballrooms. But it's all good, you know? It's all good. You need both to make it happen. All right. And... um, this one is called How to Train Your Highlander, right? Exactly. So why don't we start out with you telling us a little bit about this one. How to Train Your Highlander is the third in the series. It's the one where Mary Elizabeth, the spunky, young, crazy girl with the sword, finally meets her match in the Duke of, um, what is he, Duke of Northumberland. <laughs> There's no real Duke of Northumberland anymore. If was there ever, ever was. was there, uh, there ever? used to be an Earl of Northumberland, but uh-huh. I think, I'm not sure whatever happened to that family. But anyway, bless them, wherever they are. But uh, now, so I've kind of taken a little license and uh, made a, a new Duke of Northumberland in 1820 who can marry my sweet Mary Elizabeth. So, He's a brave soul. So Mary Elizabeth was, I read the first in the series. Yeah, she's the little sister. She's the little sister, and I think <laughs> I told you before, she was my favorite. Oh character in that book because my sense was that you know in a romance you have you have certain characters you have to have right and mary elizabeth was not one of them she (laughs) was like an optional so you could incorporate her into the story any way you wanted to right and she did some really cool things she's funny she's kind of a catalyst for a lot of chaos yeah for instance for instance, she wanders off and goes fishing. But now, when I say chaos, this is not by modern standards. Right. But in 1820, a girl was supposed to sit still, be quiet, do as she was told, and marry who she was told to marry. Pretty much. Right. That's not Mary Elizabeth's way at all. No, no. <laughs> she goes off and fishes by herself in the middle of London, which you're not supposed to even walk outside the door without an escort. Uh-huh. <laughs> she um, she loves to. She drew a sword on uh, the Earl of. Grantham in the middle of Hyde Park. <laughs> Grafton. I keep can't even remember my own people's names. Sorry, Grantham is the guy in uh, what was that show that I love so much from the BBC? Oh gosh, oh. Downton Abbey. Downton Sorry, Abbey. Grant Granton. Anyway, anyway, Grafton is the one she. But she pulls a sword on an earl in the middle of Hyde Park, and it doesn't go over well. Anyway, she does basically whatever she wants. And it's really freeing to have a character like that. because, right. And then to give her her own book, oh, that's bliss. Because she really literally does whatever she wants. At one point, her, her love interest, Harry, who has decided he can't marry this girl because she's so sweet and so unspoiled. He can't trouble her with the coronet. He can't make her a duchess because that's really annoying. In real life, you think, you think, oh, duchess, that's great. It's fun to be a duchess. And sometimes it is. But for the most part, you've got a lot of duties and a lot of very constrained annoyances that make your life kind of get stuck in a box. Well, my sense, I read just a little bit of the beginning of this book. So my sense was he's a little bit like that himself. He's not totally into the trappings of his his, his office, right? He's not into it, but he still has to do it. He still has to produce an heir and go do the House of Lords and all that sort of thing. So what what is he he like? Harry. 
military like. He's they call him the recluse duke because he will never come down to London. So he basically at this point is ignoring all of his responsibilities. He's 30 years old, still hasn't gotten married, and he's, and how he's basically old is Mary a rebel. Elizabeth at this point. Mary right? Elizabeth is 18. Okay, so that's which, pretty for the time that's pretty Normal, uh, normal. I would say back then, whatever normal was. Yes, yeah, sometimes you would marry in your age bracket, but a lot of times girls married older, older men. Right. And there's Mary Elizabeth is such a huge character. She's got such spirit that I, she's ageless to me. I mean, I know she's eighteen, and that does account for some of her impulsivity. But it's eighteen and eighteen twenty raised in the highlands where she was hunting and fishing on her own at a very uh-huh. young age. So it's not like it's not like the cute little 18-year-old girl in book one who was so sheltered and so protected all of her life. Right. Catherine. It's just, she's just, Mary Elizabeth is a, a law unto herself. So what is it about Harry that attracts her? Or is she attracted? She's attracted pretty much right in the beginning. She at is. At some level, right? She likes his <clears throat> strength. She recognized, she calls him Atlas. You know, his okay. shoulders are broader than any of her brother's shoulders. There's something which, about him. Which is him. saying something. Yeah. According to the right, covers of Highlanders. your novels. <laughs> yeah. Some of them, do they keep shirts on? No, actually. No. My guys didn't have shirts. Now, this Apparently, time. Apparently, no one back then wore shirts. <laughs> the guys, anyway. Never. No. <laughs> Why would you want them to wear a shirt? But in this one, this is the first one where my cover actually has a guy with a shirt on. I guess because he's a duke. They let him keep his shirt on. Okay. But she's got him. She's got her tartan wrapped around his neck, kind of like a leash. So. And what? Who's, are there? Is there a bad guy in this one? Nope, no bad guys. Her the antagonist. What gets, what gets in the way of? There's got to be something in the way of. Of true the love. romance of true love. Indeed. Part of it is Mary Elizabeth Mary Elizabeth's reticence and complete lack of interest in living among the English for the rest of her life. Right. That's a small part of it. Her mother is the antagonist, actually. For Mary Elizabeth, her mother is the antagonist throughout the three books, even though she's not physically present. Mary Elizabeth has been banished from her homeland by her mother, and it's affected her. She's upset about it. So her mom comes down, I want to say halfway through the book, and okay. so then... Fireworks ensue, but this. But does she think that this guy's not a good match for her? Oh no, the mom's all thought, for it, which yeah. is what makes Mary Elizabeth hate it even more. <laughs> okay, once she once she <laughs> figures out that this guy is a duke, it takes Mary Elizabeth probably half of the book to realize that her friend Harry, who she meets, <laughs> you know, with the horses and near the stables and out in the garden digging in a rose, dig, you know, plant. He's planting a rose bush at one point. He's right. he's dealing with horses, and she doesn't care about class distinction. She really has no interest in it at all. Right. So she doesn't recognize that everybody's kowtowing to him. She doesn't see anybody kowtowing to him or calling him by his title or anything. She just thinks he's Harry. She says, what's your name? He says, Harry. She's like, great. She's introducing him to the horse. <laughs> There's a horse named Samson who bites all the stable guys. Okay. And um, she, she brings the horse, calms the horse down. She, she charms the horse. At the same okay. time, she's charming Harry, actually, the first day they meet. And so she, she's like, you can't bite this one, this, this groom right here. She thinks he's a stable hand right, <laughs> at that right. point. And he and doesn't. She, and he, he doesn't, doesn't tell her his her. title. No, right. he he kind of hides his identity from her for a while, and the, and so by the middle of the book, everybody in the entire house, of course, is aware that they're the guests of this guy, the Duke. Right. But except Mary Elizabeth, <laughs> she right. thinks there's an under butler whose dresses way better than Harry does, 
And she's pretty sure the underbutler is Harry, is the actual Duke. Okay. So that All that's right. a little joke. It's a comedy. All right. So this and this book is just coming out, right? You're doing a launch party. Yes, today? It, we're having a launch party today. What do you and Val have planned? We're going to have cookie cake and beautiful flowers and books and just general hangout. Like she's going to have some wine. Valerie is half French. So there's always wine, which is <laughs> joyful. Anyway, yes. just a, a general good time. Yeah. Happiness now. Now, let me ask you this. If I remember right, in this family, everybody's married now. Is that, I mean, wow. are, you, are you done with broadswords and ballrooms? I hope not. Or is, I want to do. Because her two brothers are married, right? Two of, two of her brothers are married, but two of them aren't. Oh, she's got more brothers. She's got four brothers total. We meet Ian in this book. We meet Ian and Davy, the okay. other two brothers. We meet them in this final book and the final of this triple trilogy or whatever. I would love to. I don't have uh, I don't have this secured yet, but I would love to write about them and how they find their women because they're crazy too. Everybody in her family is completely nuts. And what then? The cousins? We go? No, we go? I think it'll have to end <laughs> at that point. But I really am in love with this family, so I'd like to continue. Okay, we'll see. We'll see um, how it goes. Have you started those? Any other books in the series? I've outlined them, but I haven't written them yet. Okay. All right. Well, I wanted to ask you, what kind of feedback are you getting from your readers on these so far? (laughs) They they love the difference. It's so minor peculiar as far as romances go. I mean, they follow the haiku. They follow the very strict stringent of true love. You meet. You fall in love. Some trouble happens, you separate, and then you get back together. That's the standard right. three-act deal with, right. the, with these books. And my books follow that line. But most of my books don't have – I mean, most people's books don't have little girls with with broadswords that their dad made, especially for them. Right. Or, you know, any of that cockamamie stuff. All the stuff that really would never have happened in 1820. The stuff that adds a lovely what – I, what I find to be a lovely bit of comedy. So some of the reviewers are actually like, this was weird, but I really liked it. <laughs> I don't know why I liked it. <laughs> it's my this, favorite kind it. of reviewer. They're like, this was so different. I mean, yet again, Christy English does something really strange, but it was really good. <laughs> <laughs> somehow so, it worked. It's sweet of them. Do, yeah. do you ever get um, readers – I don't know, with surprising interpretations that that you didn't see coming, that they read anything into your books? Not with these yet. Not yet. But you never know. Maybe this one's the one. That might be cool. Yeah. Maybe they can tell me something I don't see about my own work. That's always good. (laughs) You are the first writer that I've interviewed twice now. Oh, wow. Three times you're prolific enough to have... Mm Yeah, that's three times. Can you believe it? Hopefully this recording will actually work and (laughs) I won't blow another recording. I've I've learned a lot in the years since I started. Nice. Yeah. They always sound good to me. About actually, you know, actually getting the computer to record things and things like that. Um, It's tricky. Are you, so so you already told me a lot about your writing habits or... Mm. Addiction or whatever you want right, to call it. Right, the craziness it. You, that is my you, life. Did yes. you work almost every day? Are you giving yourself the holidays off? Definitely, mm-hmm. I always do, you unless do? I have a deadline, which I don't right now. <laughs> so that's happy. 
So do you, do you know at this point, you, so you said you got a couple outlines. I do. I do. We haven't talked about putting it together. I'm sure we will. That's the great thing about my uh, source books, Casablanca. They're the most supportive, wonderful group of people I've ever worked with. Mm-hmm. They're like, because they don't mind that my stuff is a comedy. They're like, okay, comedy, romantic comedy. That's weird, but sure, go for it. That's fine. Sure. As long as they like, they like the Highlanders hook. And after mm-hmm. that, they were like, sure, do what you want. Okay. And they loved the Shakespeare hook in my first three books. They were like, sure, do whatever mm-hmm. you want within that Now, remind framework. me the names Go of those it. books in the, in the Shakespeare <laughs> Oh, series. Lord. How to Tame a Willful Wife. <laughs> of course, based on Taming of the Shrew. Taming of the Shrew. And then um, Love on a Midsummer Night, based on um, A Midsummer Night's Dream. And then Much Ado About Jack, <laughs> based right. on Much Ado About Nothing. So, okay. Yeah. Right. How, so, when you say it's based on it, is it... Very loosely based Very loosely on, the, on a Shakespearean comedy. Like a, maybe a couple of the names will be picked up or some of the, like, gosh, like the Taming of the Shrew. The girl is wild and her husband thinks he's going to tame her, but of course he doesn't. It's a romance. She mm-hmm. tames him in the end. Okay. All right. You know, that kind of thing. I change it around. Do you, for some reason, this, this came to my mind when I was just thinking of what to talk to you about today. Do you ever go to writers' conferences, mm. or have you gone to writers' I conferences? I have, and I really like them. There's something great about meeting with your community. Sometimes, like um, at Romantic Times, they have readers come, too, which is really great. Mm-hmm. So you can really get to meet your readers, too. Is that one but that they do every year? They do. They do it every year. Yeah, and it's great. I love, I love conferences because you can... Even if you don't get to meet some readers, you always get to meet other writers and see mm-hmm. what they're doing and what their kind of work is like. Right. Because I write a very, frankly, conservative version of romances. There's a kajillion types of romances out there. And it's neat to find out what other people are doing. Right. I read something interesting. I don't know if you ever heard of Sean Coyne. He's an editor and writes a lot mm-hmm. about the art of writing. And, oh, cool. And Maybe structure I should read writing. It. Yeah, you might find him interesting, but one interesting thing that he was talking about, somebody asked him the question, and he's really into genres. He's really into kind of what you were talking about. You should know what genre you're in. You should know what to ex- reader, writers, readers expect mm-hmm. when they get into that genre. Somebody asked him, what is the most important genre? Or if, if a writer was just starting out, what would he tell them what genre to pick? He said romance. Really? And he said wow. it for two reasons. He said, at least a couple reasons. He said, first of all, it's the most lucrative one. It's the most. <laughs> it's the mo- one that sells the most copies right. of books. Sure. I think that's still. But the other thing he said was, and I, I'd like you to see what, if you agree. He said, in a sense, it's the most basic story. Yes. That everyone wants to not be alone. Everyone wants to to be with somebody or other people. And that's what romances are about. So even if you didn't remain in that genre, it would always be such a basic structure that you could always have it as sort of a subplot in a Mm -hmm. mystery, in a thriller, in any kind of other story you wanted to tell. That's true. That's true. It's been, even when I was writing historical fiction, uh, romance was a major thread through my books that I can't, I can't get away from it. I think there's just, I don't think we choose our stories. I think they choose us, mm-hmm. the kind of stuff we're going to write. It sure feels like it sometimes. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I just do what I'm told, basically. The characters show up <laughs> and I get to work, but but uh, I, uh, I guess I'm just wired that way, at least at the moment. 
Yeah. I'm wired that way to have a romance be really the beating heart of every story I've ever told. So romance made sense when I started writing romances. Mm -hmm. I still had to learn how to do the haiku. I still had to learn that very specific structure and what the readers expect because the readers are the most important part of the whole process. But um, it was still good. It was good. I still had that that seed of wanting true love to triumph, and that made it it work. And that's that's what you feel is sort of at the heart of... Yes. That's why these things work. Yes. We all, well, I can't say all, all readers of romances hunger for true love. We all, and writers of romances hunger for true love. We either have it already or we want it. Yeah. So, yeah. Or we're building it or, you know, you name it. Yeah. Well, here's one aspect of writing I didn't ask you about before, and Mm. editing. Ah, it's on my mind right now because I'm editing a a book. Oh, God help you. (laughs) Well, so... Talk a little bit about your editing process. And I also had, like, once you're done with the first draft of a book, mm-hmm. what would you say, time-wise, effort-wise, however, what you, however you would characterize it, what percentage are you done? Are you 50% done or 80% done when the first draft is done? That's a great question. Um, originally, when I started writing, I would say I was maybe 50% done. Now... I would say I'm about 80% done mm-hmm. at the end of a... Because I'm starting to get the hang of these romance, of, of writing in this genre. And I'm starting to get the hang of listening to my characters and not ignoring them. <laughs> you right. know, because they're the ones that know what the plot is. So I try to pay more attention to them. So then then it takes it takes another while. What I like to do is write the first draft and then let it cool. For how long? Preferably six weeks. It depends on the deadline. Right. Preferably six weeks, but if not, at least a weekend before I go dive back in, because that's how crazy it is when you're writing romances. The the turnaround is pretty fast usually once you're into a series. Right. So I try to leave it alone. I try to get three drafts done and clean before I pass it on to my editor. Mm -hmm. And then that's a whole other ball of wax. Then she sees the holes that I didn't see, even though I was looking right at that book for a long time. Do you find find when she's pointing something out, you you find yourself, how did I miss that? (laughs) How did I miss that? Yes. But when it's your own work and your own baby, you miss a lot, which is why you need an editor. Right. Thank God for Mary Altman. She's a genius. Thank God for her. Yeah. And is she with your publisher? Yeah, she's yeah. with Sourcebooks Casablanca right uh-huh. now. She's really great. How much do you feel like you've changed since you started writing as a writer? Oh, God, a lot. I'm less um, – when I first started writing, I was fascinated by power mongers and m- power manipulations and power plays and political this, that, and the other. Now I'm a lot more interested in honest people with integrity – how they deal with each other because it's still hard. I mean, it's still hard (laughs) to deal with people. Even if you've got two honest people who want the best for each other and for themselves, there's still complications and still chaos. But I like, I find I enjoy much more because you live with these books. Every minute you're writing them and every minute you're editing, you're living with these characters. You're living in their world while you're working. And I find living with people of integrity and kindness is a lot more fun <laughs> for oh, me, yeah. anyway, yeah. than uh, power mongers who are trying to kill each other. Well, when, so live and when, learn. When during your six weeks of not concentrating on the book, 
Mm-hmm. Letting it cool, like you said. Yes, in the what best are you, world. What are you doing? Are you working on another book? Gosh, no. Sometimes, now I have done that. That has mm-hmm. happened. How to Tame a Willful Wife came to me in a dream, the beginning of it, when I was letting one of the drafts of the Queen's Pawn cool. <laughs> right. And I had, it was such a great break from uh, royal machinations that it was, you know, that romance was so much fun. So I wrote that in the six weeks that I was supposedly letting the Queen's Pawn cool. That was when I was really crazy, (laughs) (laughs) writing really hard and writing all the time. And I still love to write and I still do it all the time, but life is a little broader now. Right. It's nice. And you're you're still working full time. I am. I work full time. So you're doing this when you can do it. Yes. And I've got a vibrant, thank God for this community here in Hendersonville, uh-huh. vibrant community of wonderful human beings that right. are amazing. I'd much rather, I mean, I love spending time with my current characters, obviously, but if I were writing historical fiction, I think still, I think I would change because I'm happier and I'm living with happy among happy people <laughs> and enjoying myself and enjoying the community. Excellent. So I think Excellent. inherently, my my books just turned brighter, you know. It it should, they reflect like, your life sometimes. It seems like you've really found a, a yes. niche and found a following. And I love it. I love excellent. the people. Yeah. I love the readers. They're so kind. They do find me sometimes on Facebook and on Twitter. They take the trouble to look me up oh, and say nice. thank you. Yeah. This book is good. And I was like, wow, thank you. Are you kidding me? You read it? Or All they'll right. take a picture of it. It thrills me. They'll take a picture of it in like, I don't know, Walmart or Barnes & Noble where they see it. And they'll post it on Twitter, post it on my page. Right. It's exciting. It makes me feel like there's a lar- even larger community of readers, you know, family of readership out there. Yeah. I know what you mean, and I've told people it. You know, writing is is some is a solitary pursuit sometimes. It so, is. So you wouldn't believe sometimes when you hear that from a fan, it's exactly what you needed to hear. You know, right? It's That's like true. When you needed to hear it, because you write for them. I mean, I yeah. write for me first, obviously, because otherwise there wouldn't be any point. But I want them. To love it too. I want people to love Harry and Mary Elizabeth. I want them mm-hmm. to get even a little bit of what I get out of these characters. Right, right. And when they do, it's the most wonderful feeling. You're like, I yes, think, I, think, <laughs> I did it. <laughs> I really think it's coming through. Oh, good. That you feel that good. Way. So uh, before I let you go, I want to ask you um, to tell people how they follow you. Oh, yes, absolutely. Um, I'm Christy English, on, obviously, on Facebook. Also, Broadswords and Ballrooms has its page on Facebook. You can find it under Broadswords and Ballrooms. Um, let's see. I'm Christy English on Twitter, so that's easy to find. And then, what's the other one? Oh, and my, my I also have a, a blog, ChristyEnglish.com. So. Yeah, that's a, your webpage. Yeah, my webpage. Okay. So I'm around everywhere. Okay, well, thanks a lot, Christy, and best of luck with this. And Thank you, Whatever Ken. ends up being the next one. We'll right? Hopefully Pirates and Petticoats. We'll see what pirates happens. Pirates and Petticoats. Tune in next Excellent. month. No, Excellent. kidding. <laughs> Thank you very much. Thank you. All right. Thanks for listening, and thanks again to Christy English, who's always so much fun. This week I want to give a very special thanks to Valerie Wellborn. She's been such a great supporter to me and other readers and writers in the area. Well, I'll miss her as she closes the bookstore here in Hendersonville, moves on with the next phase of her career. Best of luck to you, Val. As for the podcast, you can visit us at themiddleoftheair.com to listen to other episodes and sign up for new ones. See you next time.